You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Mission Log Live is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and their collection of exclusive Star Trek visual reference books and other great titles and gifts waiting for you at herocollector.com slash books. Use promo code MISSION10 at checkout for 10% off all books and graphic novels. Bringing you the trek when you need it the most. It's Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. It must be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. And I love Mission Log Live nights. You know why, John? Why is that? Why do you love it? Because we get to talk to all the Mission Log Live listeners live in person. And I think it's just like one of the greatest things to do right now in our in our COVID lockdowns to be able to reach out. Not necessarily across the aisle, but through our screens to be able just to see and hear and talk to people about Star Trek, about what's going on, about our poll questions, about how people are doing out there, and in turn letting people just see how we're doing in here. And I think that's fantastic. It's nice to connect with our our community here at Mission Log. I love it. That's what I look forward to every time we do the show. And and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our uh, Patreon hangout as well. It's nice to be able to connect, to see you, to see our Trek pals hanging out as well. Uh, so, look, you know what to do. You give us a call. You pick up the phone. You call us at 699. I'm sorry, 669 I, I, I know, right? It's, Ollie it's knows easy, I do that too. <laughs> easy to screw up. Or better yet, click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone. It, it takes the guesswork out of it for you and then you can of course be connected to earl he will connect you to us and we will talk trek now uh let's talk a little bit about next week there will be a mission log live we have not narrowed down the topic yet so uh join us it will either be topical or it will be guest driven that is what we do this week on the regular mission log we have deep space nine rocks and shoals so two count them two episodes into season six of ds9 uh norm i I think right before the show you were saying that you were a little uh, you're a little more pumped you're a little more jazzed about looking at ds9 right now what has changed for you i think it's actually the how the serialization has really kicked in like since Mm -hmm. i think since call to arms the season finale of season five and then going into a time to stand and now rocks and shoals each one of those episodes just not necessarily cliffhangs it does have an ending but it has a a hanging ending yes so it it helps keep that momentum going from episode to episode i can't wait it's so good right now yeah, it's, it's so good right now. It's really, really good, and I think we're having a lot of fun with it. So join us. I assume that most Mission Log live listeners are also listeners of the regular Mission Log, but if you're not, if you haven't caught up with us on DS9, do so because it is a blast. And um, also, I, I mentioned it before, you know, thank you to everybody who joined us on Patreon the other day. Uh, we do a, a try to do it monthly, do a live hangout like on uh, Saturday or a Sunday morning. Might break up those times and days a little bit um, just to accommodate people from literally all over the world who hang out with us for a couple hours. Norman and I are having our coffee. Some other people, depending on where they are, having that like, glass of wine or that cocktail to wind it's down five for o'clock the night. somewhere. It is. 
is. It is. And, and it's a blast. It, it's unstructured. It's unformatted. It's open to everybody at every level of our Patreon support. Uh, so even if you just, you know, drop in for a buck, then, uh, then you're there. You get to hang out. And it's just nice, like you were saying, Norman, to have that connection, mm-hmm. to have that, uh, that personal connection while we're all staying at home so much. So, yeah. And it's nice to be able to talk about just a wide variety of topics. I mean, of course, we talk about Star Trek and we talk about some of the episodes mm-hmm. that we've done. But it's nice just to be able to see how everyone's doing. And it's it's important right now. It's important to be able to maintain that that level of connection with people. Some people need that connection more than right. most. And right. sometimes I even find myself saying, you know what? It would be nice to be sitting down with a group of friends and just talking about something. Yeah. Exactly. And as long as you're mentioning friends and talking, we haven't done it yet. So let's say hello to our friends who are in the chat. By the way, Dominic, uh, call it out right away. Blake seven. I'm <laughs> you know, getting so, there. I'm yes. Getting there, we did talk about that on Patreon too. I'm like, I'm getting there. I'm getting we there. We did. We did a little, had a little, uh, a little education about, uh, uh, Babylon five from you. And that was very mm. cool. So there's Paul. There's Holly. There's Holly saying right away, no one can really take my place. And you are 100% Holly 100%, and Scott right. Palm agreeing with that. So good to see you there. <laughs> there's Lou. There's uh, David. David says seasons five through seven of DS9, some of the best run of episodes. I frequently do rewatches. David, you should uh, you should send us some of your thoughts on the episodes we're hitting now. And I might be able to incorporate those into some of the shows. So, uh, and actually he reiterates, he says, you guys are heading into the golden time of DS9. It keeps up this quality. To the end, mm. we'll hold you to that. We'll yeah. hold that. Not that you're personally responsible, but I'm making you personally responsible for it now. Uh, yeah. There's Paul. There's other Paul. Uh, there's now. Now, Danny says, "Who will be the third host in place of Holly for future Mission Log Live?" So, Danny, let's say, and that of course is what Holly was replying to. Uh, there was nobody replacing Holly. Mm-mm. The whole idea, uh, and, and as Holly pointed out, nobody can replace her. The whole idea is that per show, so you've got Picard, you've got Lower Decks, you've got Discovery, we have Strange New Worlds coming up. Uh, so per show, we will introduce somebody new to cover that season with us. And uh, Holly was along for the ride on season three of Discovery. Uh, she will come back for season four of Discovery. But... Probably talking about having, you know, some people worked in before that time, too. We had Ashley V. Robinson join us for Lower Decks. When Lower Decks comes back, she will be back with us for season two of that show. And uh, we just want to keep it mixed up, but we also want to keep some consistency there. So you meet somebody, you get to know them on the show, and then it's their voice that gets you through that season. And, uh, and hopefully, as multiple seasons go, that arc with those characters. So that's the plan. And uh, we, we were just talking about that at the beginning, saying, hey, who else can we introduce that expands the Mission Log family? I'm, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to that. You know what's neat about that, John? It's like doing the – my very first Mission Log Live was with Reka last year. Oh, right. Yeah. Around this time. And uh, I was like, wow, I'm doing a Mission Log Live show with a Star Trek cast member. A celebrity of Star Trek. That blew my mind. I was like, wow. Um, So, and of course, it was a great privilege to to, uh, do the shows with with Ashley V. Uh, I emphasize the V because it's important to her. It is. And with Holly because uh, they were almost so much fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to 
to when we can do this dance again. Yeah, and, and and funny enough, Holly just texted me and said, I'm doing season four. Yeah, yeah, you're doing season four. Can't get out of it now. It's public knowledge. So mm-hmm. that that is the plan. Norman, let's talk about our uh, poll questions tonight. So uh, we do, of course, want to cover our poll from last week. And uh, last week, you know, it, we're, we're staying on this theme of anticipating what comes next because we wrapped up discovery season three we wrapped up that story arc we talked about the season finale and we asked you what are you anticipating the most so uh norman give us the results from that poll from last week well since we had a little bit more time the poll numbers have gotten a little bit more fleshed out but no real surprises here so picard season two comes in at a 22 percent poll rating with Discovery Season 6 only coming in at 8%. Lower Deck Season 2 coming in at 18%. And pretty obvious here that we're very excited about the next new series for Star Trek. And that Strange New Worlds coming in at a whopping 54%. So it's basically taking the, the, the majority of the poll votes there. I, so I'm not surprised that has the majority. But I'm surprised at the spread on the other shows. Because I, I think the majority is definitely going to go to the show that we know the least about, uh, just because there's so much question and, and everybody's just sort of got it built up in their minds. They've already seen a lot of Discovery. They've seen mm-hmm. a bit of Picard and a bit of Lower Decks. So I'm not surprised that those are uh, are pretty close to each other. But yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, I'm really looking forward to Strange New Worlds too. We've got a little time before we get there, though. I mean, the disparity there is is pretty vast between, say, 54% and the next Picard coming in at 22%. But I don't think that's really su- that surprising. I-, I think Discovery Season 6. Is it Season 6 already? Wow. Oh, no, no, no. Discovery uh, Season <laughs> like 4. Season, se- like season 4. Season yeah. 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's why that nobody's was... voting for that. No, they they know, haven't even gotten to Season 4 yet, let alone <laughs> Season 6. So. No, you know, I, I think it was a, a disparity from the uh, – or discrepancy <laughs> from the, the poll results getting mixed into the season numbers. So, But even so, go. though, I, I think that when you have the, the fourth season, if it was the, the only season right now, that would be obviously taking the lion's share of the anticipation. But – you know, remember, we went through, what, 22, 23 weeks of continuous new Star Trek. We haven't done that since when? Since, like, the late 90s. Right. So, that is a lot. Yeah, that that's a lot, lot of Star Trek. Yeah. And it, and to be fair, each one of these series is hitting its own lane specifically for each fandom, uh, uh, specific fandom genre. So you have the animation fans with lower decks you have the tng fans with picard you have the new trek fans with discovery and then obviously the tos fans that have been teased and very well mind you mm-hmm. by anson mounts as captain christopher pike so that anticipation yeah. i think is it's it's well noted yeah and, and i'm i'm good with that like we've talked about that before on our shows and we've talked about that in our uh patreon get-togethers for sure but i like the idea of star trek finding its individual audiences because the the stakes right now with the way shows are made and with with the way uh the the expectation is to make a successful show uh you're actually much better off when you have that kind of short run here's the show that fills this need for this audience then we take a little bit of time here's the show that fills this need for this audience now if you love them all 
that's great. But if you just find the the one or two that really speak to you, and that is your Star Trek, well, look at the last 50-plus years of Star Trek. People find the the series, the characters that really speak to them. And uh, that's why it feels like we're in this sort of new golden age where you have fans from all different points of view finding, discovering, if I may use that word, the yeah. Trek that works for them. Right. Now, related to that, we asked our audience about – the character that they might want to see in upcoming Strange New Worlds. I thought that was a a brilliant way to ask this, uh, Norman. So why don't you catch us up there? Well, I mean, this comes from uh, wanting to see who inhabits this space now in this uh, current Strange New Worlds era and pre-TOS era, if you will, between, say, the cage and where no man has gone before. We're looking at that era or even prior to that. So at... 9% 9% right now at 9%. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. these are going to wildly change over the course of the week. We have James T. Kirk having an, have people voting in for his appearance uh, sometime on Strange New Worlds at 9%. We have Gary Mitchell at 11%. Mm-hmm. We have Dr. Boyce, I know a favorite of yours, John. Oh, yeah. Big time. At 36%. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm not surprised at this number, and it may change, like again, in a week. But to Paul, at 44% is, is by and large taking the lead here. And I think it's just because, first of all, I think a lot of people that watched Enterprise really did fall in love with her character. Jolene Blaylock did an amazing job evolving that character over the course of four years. And I think that also we want to see how she's going to be, say, the, the de facto ambassador post uh, Saval and see how she's going to bridge the gap between that universe and this universe or the strange new world universe. Do you, would you want to see Jolene play to Paul or, I mean, does it matter to you if it's Jolene or not? You just, you would rather just see the character and know what that character has been up to for literally a hundred years between enterprise and strange new worlds. I personally would love to see Jolene take another crack at the role just to Mm -hmm. see like where, what she would bring to it. But the thing is, is that, no one so far has reprised their character role, per se, from one series to another. Like, it's not like we got Leonard Nimoy playing Spock again. Of course, we couldn't do that. Or even yeah. this computer-generated image. So would it be too much of, a, of an ask if you had Jolene play to Paul? Because literally, she would be bridging Enterprise that ended in 2005 to now in-universe yeah. You know, uh, yeah. to this new era. So would it be jarring or would it be accepted? Hard to say. I feel like Enterprise is still a show that uh, doesn't get a lot of love. It, it does get love, but but I think it maybe gets less love than, you know, TNG, DS9, Voyager. So I like something that bridges the gap. I like that in Star Trek Beyond when you had that sort of design sense with the Franklin and really building that bridge back to uh, the, the aesthetics of Enterprise. It just it made made that universe fit. So I'd kind of like to see that. And honestly, I'm glad that it's not James T. Kirk in the lead right now because I feel like it's too obvious. It's too overdone. I don't think Star Trek needs to be entirely about James T. Kirk and the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And of course, what we would have here would be a 10 years younger Kirk than the one that we caught in TOS. But I just feel like we've, we've done that story. Right. The, the reason I want Dr. Boyce is that we had that little tease of him in the cage 
but you're kicking it right off with this relationship between Dr. Boyce and Captain Pike. And I just feel like the the intimacy of that friendship, there is so much to be explored that led up to those moments, that led up to the doctor showing up at Pike's cabin with the martini uh, mixer, <laughs> with the yeah, martini yeah. shaker. And, and that it tells you so much in such a short amount of time. And we can really explore the depths of that relationship before we got there. So uh, I think it would be cool to see. It would be cool to see an older actor play that role because uh, in in the in the show in the cage, it was an older actor playing Doctor Boyce. Um, I just think there's a lot of uh, a room for exploration and growth there. So John, I'd like to jump into some of these comments because some of these comments are fabulous. Uh, wanna, oh, me I wanna, too. I'm, I'm, I hope we're yeah. looking at the same ones. You go right. I want to mention David Ketchies because he said. Yeah. I have a better idea. Considering there was one other long-lived species on the show Enterprise, most people do not know that Denobulans tend to be long-lived just like Vulcans. So let me be the first to sign up the great John Billingsley for a spot on Strange New Worlds. I love that yes. idea. Yes. Love that idea. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, when we were talking about shows coming up, Chris Riker asked, has anyone seen any clips or images from Prodigy? And Prodigy's been really quiet. You know, we got the announcement, but there hasn't been a lot of detail released about it. So that that's another one to look forward to, aimed again at a different kind of audience. And, and I really, I love that. I, I want Star Trek to have that specific younger audience that that's going for. Do you think that mm-hmm. uh, they're keeping it under wraps because social media tends to either spoil too much or influence too much or start creating camps too quickly? Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, whether whether or not they're doing that on purpose, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, you know, I just feel like come out with the show when you're good and ready to come out with it. Social media, the the fan rumor mill, I think it can really hurt expectations and acceptance of a new show so just finish it get it out there and then we'll we'll take care of it after it comes out you know um there are some other good recommendations here commodore mendez uh carlos recommends i think that Mm -hmm. that's a good one and uh let's see well uh dr boyce and and then uh, scott palm says young mccoy and you know it's not out of the question that you could have a younger mccoy show up at some point because, of course, he joined the Enterprise later, mm-hmm. if you're following strict kind of, you know, canon timeline order. So I think that would be a cool change to have. And then McCoy was a little older. He's about 10 years older than the other characters we were following in TOS. And it would be neat to see if there's any reference to, say, McCoy at Ole Miss seeing Emily Dax because there was that yeah. uh, relationship right. there. I right, right, right. Deep space nine. Right. <laughs> uh, by the way, somebody asked, "Where are those polls?" They're on Twitter. Uh, just because the polling system on Facebook has left a lot to be desired, yes. so uh, we haven't uh, we, we we haven't really been able to get that back up and running on Facebook the way it should be, the way it needs to be. Um, it, uh, say, oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, well, you know, yeah. John, with. We had a great uh, interview with Glenn Zipper last week, and yes. people have been able to see his Challenger documentary on Netflix. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback on that. If you have not yet, please do so. But one thing I wanted to talk about regarding what Glenn Zipper said was the importance of community when it comes to fandom, because I literally, I believe that he was holding back some emotion when he was saying, 
that he he couldn't believe that he could feel comfortable enough to express how much he needed a community like ours to find other fans to be able to talk to, to be able to express himself openly. Remember he was saying that, you know, for the longest time when I was in a dark place, I watched Star Trek The Next Generation and those people became very important to me on a weekly basis and became my friends and it became something I can depend on. And then he yeah. said something to the tune of, does that make any sense? Does that sound weird? And I said, absolutely not. That's what we do. So I'm, I'm hoping that with that, uh, kind of like with that confession in a way, more people share that same kind of sentiment. More people share that same kind of story with us because I think that that's important yeah. that you do that. I, I could not agree with you more. Absolutely. Um, we, we do have a caller standing by, but before we get to that, there are a couple of more questions and comments that I want to get to real quick here. Miles says, John and Norman, what do you think Discovery is going to do with Saru? That is a great question. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, first of all, the good news is that we know he's coming back. We know that Doug Jones will be back as Saru in some capacity, in some form. I would hate to lose him as a starship captain or at least as some ranking position in Starfleet because I, I really feel like Saru showed the most growth over those three seasons that we had him. And I just, I love, uh, you know, I said it before on this show, I love his style as a captain. I love the demeanor that he has as a captain. It's very different from the types of captains we've had before. I think it's a necessary uh, counterbalance to the other, uh, like, personality types that we have on the show. So I don't know what they'll do with him, but we do know that he is coming back. I hope that we get something valuable out of him back on Kaminar um, and, and sort of reacclimating himself to his people now after nearly a thousand years and uh, acclimating Sukal to to having to you know live among real people. That's a fascinating story to explore. But please bring him back to Starfleet. <laughs> he has to be. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna disagree there a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna disagree there a little bit. I'm All not right. Say bring Do him back. so. I'm not going to say bring him back so much to Starfleet. I say bring him back to the United Federation of Planets because I think he would probably be a better ambassador than a better captain now. I think that he mm. has he mm. just has the natural gift of diplomacy and he has the natural he has a natural demeanor of calm, of measure, of being able to think out and find ways to negotiate and to find ways to calm situations down. Like say for instance, at the very beginning when they were in the bar and, you know, uh, the bandits came and they were threatening them with violence. He was very cool headed. He was very even tempered. And I think that that's something that you need at the head of the ambassadorial wing of the Federation to be able to bring all of these new worlds or old worlds together again. Somebody who's speaking on behalf of the Federation, perhaps the next Federation president. Oh, all right. So wait, you're telling me it's not President Cronenberg? Because, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I didn't okay. I mean because I, I'm I'm fully committed to this idea of the the clandestine President David Cronenberg of the Federation thirty mm-hmm. second century. I'm fully committed to that. I know that I'll be deeply disappointed next season, but but I'm still holding out for it. Well, there's the president and there's always kind of like that person that maneuvers power. Yeah, just say there's yeah. a there's very much that we don't know about David Cronenberg in the future, and I will still only call call him by the performer name 
Yes. The great David Cronenberg. Hey, uh, let's say hi to Mike, who is hanging on. And uh, Mike, how are you doing tonight? W- welcome back, by the way. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, when we were talking to Glenn Zipper last week. Uh, you had such great uh, sort of interest and insight into his world and, and what he was talking about with the Challenger. Welcome back to the show tonight. Thank you, sir. Uh, that was a lot of fun last week. I was a big hit at work this week, getting a chance to talk about that. So, ah, uh, nice, very cool, very, very interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there is no other name for David Cronenberg other than the great David Cronenberg. So, uh, whether or not he's the man behind the curtain pulling the strings or the the uh, Federation president, um, I cannot. I just wanted to touch base on this. Doug Jones was such a high point for Discovery season three. Yes, uh, in makeup, out of makeup. Uh, as the captain, uh, as the as the uh, caretaker uh, for Sukal, um, was was phenomenal. I hate to lose him as a captain because I love the way he led. He led with empathy and grace, mm-hmm. and he w- had a calming influence. And he put his people first, and he and he was a real servant leader. And that's uh, that. Those are all the qualities that I admire. I love to see more of that. Um, and it's nice to know that he'll be back. And in what capacity, Norm? I really am. I am intrigued by the Federation president uh, take that you have on that. I, uh, I, I will, I will put that in my wish list. Well, thank you. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Right. Well, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. You know that that empathy and grace and um, he. Saru would lead with compassion and he would lead with encouragement of the people who are under him. I know that when we got to the moment that Tilly was promoted, there was a lot of pushback and, and there were fans who said, oh, this is unrealistic. She doesn't deserve it. You know, but you take the relationship that Tilly had with Saru and Saru was there to be the one to say, you can grow out of where you are now. I believe that you have these qualities. I want to help nurture you to get there. And even in the relationship between that very brief uh, moment that we got uh, between Saru and the president of Nivar, um, formerly Vulcan, uh, you can see this uh, compassion and understanding that was really uh, heartfelt and genuine, uh, I thought, on screen. So, uh, by the way, have you guys seen the meme that was going around? And I want to say it was John Cooley who created it. Nivar stands for... (laughs) Now it's Vulcan and Romulus, <laughs> and, and I just thought that was—is that for real? I, or did well, you, or did I coolly do that. I, I coolly did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if he originated it, but I—it's brilliant. It yeah, there was cool. there was some canon awesome. involved in it, but it, but I love that meme. Um, yes. It really was really was phenomenal. Um, you know, who you trust is more than who's next in line for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and Tilly was, became a confidant for Saru and he can see maybe some leadership or maybe something, maybe it's just trustworthiness that caused him to put her in that position, realistic or not his decision. And it also had the ad, added advantage of keeping everybody else in the position where they were. Um, once that way they had, you know, they, they had Owo where she was, they had Detmer at helm, they had Bryce and Reese doing their thing and, and Nielsen doing her thing. Um, and they didn't have to upset a team that was working so well together. So yeah. I, there is justification for it, but that, that trustworthiness is, is a big part of it. I, I would think. You know, what I, what I love about Doug Jones in this season and where he took Saru, where the writers took Saru was that you really did kind of see the true tempering of 
of an entire being from season one to season two to season three. Temper, temper metal too hard one way, it's too brittle. Temper too hard the other way, or too soft one way, it becomes too too malleable. And I think he's learned a lot from that. And I think that Doug Jones has actually learned a lot from being able to take this character in those different directions. So there's a great depth of wisdom behind his eyes when he speaks. And it's not just acting. I think that there's a lot going on from his own personal experiences that brings that type of sympathy and empathy and understanding when he's talking to some of these newer talents that like, you know what, everything's going to be all right. There has to be a sense of credibility and a sense of authenticity when you're that good of an actor so that you're not just performing the words, but you're emulating what you feel. And I think that that's something that is is very rare uh, in, in terms of being able to to transcend the printed words and the performance to something that is is wholly special. And I think that's where Doug Jones was with Saru this season. It was, I hate to use the word like a tour de force performance or epic, you know, it was, <laughs> it was special. It was a special performance that uh, we were, I think we were all graced to watch. The fact that he can do that in that makeup and then his yeah. performance, the, the, the impact, uh, in the last two episodes when he was out of makeup was just even, even stronger, even more special. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Interesting thing. You, you mentioned his character arc and I'll, I'll say this and, and, and you can kick me off if you want after that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the, it took me a while to wrap my head around this and I really think I only got it last night. Um, typically Star Trek explores humanity by going to different worlds, uh, examining an issue from a global perspective, and kind of, mm. kind of shining a light on it that we can all think about and, and chew on and, and, and discuss and, and learn something from. And I think Discovery kind of flips the script on that a little bit. It explores humanity by looking at the people on the ship. So we've got to see Saru evolve and discover himself. We've got to see Michael Burnham evolve and discover herself, and as well as as well as Tilly, as well as Detmer, as well as hopefully more characters. And now we have uh, Adira Tall also, and that's a fascinating story to see yeah. her discover herself. So it's it's still exploring humanity, but it took me a while to wrap my head around it that it's it's looking more inward at the crew and not outward at these different places you go. So um, I, I, I'm viewing the whole the show in a whole new light after this season. That is very well said. Could not agree with you more. I appreciate it. And uh, no, we're not going to kick you out at all, uh, but you got to go. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike, truly a, a pleasure to hear from you and uh, we'll, we'll see you again soon, I hope. All right. Great to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks a lot, Mike. It. Take Good care. Hey, uh, we're, we're going to take care of some business here in just a second, uh, Norman, but I, I did want to mention there was another question that somebody had earlier in the chat. They were asking about the order in which the next round of shows will come out. And to be quite honest, we don't really know. Uh, mm-hmm. We do know that Disco Season 4 had started filming a while back. We do know that uh, after talking to Mike McMahon, they had done the, the lion's share of the work on Season 2 of Lower Decks. So if I had to put money on it, I would say that, you know, by the middle of the year, we're going to hear at least an announcement and we'll know one of those two shows will come next. Then, you know, Picard has only uh, just started really in earnest in their pre-production, from my understanding. Their uh, their filming schedule is still a bit down the road. Uh, and then Strange New Worlds, again, you've got pre-production, but you're talking about down the road with a lot of that. So, um it's it, it'll come, but I, I would think that we would see uh, lower decks and disco 
first. Then we'll get to those other shows. So, uh, and, and no, no word yet on, um, on uh, Prodigy. We'll know. Well, we're still within, you know, the, the COVID, you know, pandemic lockdown in many respects. So, you know, the in- entertainment industry still has to do their due diligence and to be responsible, keeping their talent safe. I do remember when we were talking to Mike McMahon in our interview, you know, uh, a few months back that he said that he was finishing up like principal writing on season two, but they still have to record with their actors. I think they have yeah, that sent yeah. out the special, you know, um, recording audio uh, kits for right. them to be able to get right. the fidelity that they needed. But you know what? Exactly. We'll see when it happens. <laughs> we will. Hey, uh, really quickly, we just want to take care of some business and then we'll get right back to our calls and then maybe some special guests who are standing by. So a uh, quick word from the officially authorized special edition books collection published by Eagle Moss and available online at the Eagle Moss shop. Yes, please check out the exclusive Star Trek bookshop at herocollector.com slash books to discover a range of definitive visual guides that go deep into the Star Trek history and canon, extensively researched and developed by Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. The Shipyard series presents a timeline of almost every ship that has ever appeared in the Star Trek TV shows and movies from the original series forward to Discovery and beyond. Books in the Designing Starship series boldly go where few have gone before, deep behind the scenes into the conception, development, and details of ships from every era. You'll even find comprehensive official Star Trek raffle novel graphic novel collection. What a mouthful. <laughs> uh, well done. Well done, Norman. Uh, there's something for every Star Trek fan of every generation, plus friends of Mission Log Live. That would be all of you. Use our code MISSION10 at checkout and receive 10% off all books and graphic novels, not not just Star Trek, literally all of them. To browse around the shop, go to herocollector.com slash books and use promo code MISSION10 at checkout for your 10% discount. And uh, all right, we want to say hi to our next caller here real quick, and that is John Arminio. John, welcome to the show. And then, and then I teased it, we're going to bring in some special guests. Welcome, welcome, so, welcome, John. Yeah, John, you're, you're so lucky you get to be here right when we're about to bring in those special guests. So what is on so your mind? Right. You're the uh, warm-up uh, act. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, make it good, man. Thank make you. it good. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know that the reason a lot of these Star Trek shows exist is because of the nostalgia so many fans have for the series and the big trend in media right now is like reunions and revamps. Like I think there was a Frasier reunion miniseries just announced, but I'm hoping that strange new worlds keeps to the new in its title because I I know it'd be great to see characters that we've seen before and a, and a younger Bones and, and things like that. But I, I and even if a, it's a, like a prequel series, I do want Star Trek to keep moving forward with new ideas because I think part of the reason why that original pilot is so exciting to watch as fans now is because it hints at a real frontier that was explored by the Enterprise before Kirk. And I I know that, you know, as we learned from the Star Wars prequels, sometimes filling in those gaps isn't as exciting (laughs) as we would have hoped. Um, But there's just so much great material to be mined by things Star Trek hasn't necessarily explored yet. And I know I I haven't watched uh, Enterprise, and I know that that was kind of the idea of that series. 
Um, but I, I still think there's so much more new stuff that that show can show us um, that I hope it doesn't retread a lot of um, already seen material. John, I could not agree with you more. And that, that's why I was so kind of dismayed at seeing a lot of fan chatter about uh, wanting Kirk back. And, and, and believe yeah. me, I, I love watching the original series. I love Shatner's performance as James Kirk in those shows and those movies. I loved Chris Pine as yeah. Kirk. I'm done with Kirk. I want stories that are led by character and led by compelling stories and show me something new. Star Trek isn't Star Wars. Star Wars is about the Skywalker family. Great. They're all by divine right, <laughs> apparently. Uh, it has been decided that they are the saviors of the universe. Fine. Star Trek is about people who are really good at their jobs, doing an amazing job yeah. and learning along the way. There's a lot to be discovered there, a lot to be mined there. And uh, when you have the, the formula such as it is, a starship, people who are talented, learning and discovering your gold. You don't need to make it all uh, into this sort of uh, slavish adherence to canon. Uh, that immediately makes my eyes roll into the back of my head and I want nothing to do with it anymore. So, um, yeah, thank you for allowing me to rant on my own show. My pleasure. John, <laughs> you, you went off camera for a second about the height of, a, of a, an Apple box. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, well, I'm kind of short. So, you know, every now and then uh, I need to. Hey, uh, John, you are extraordinarily lucky because you called into the show at the very moment that we are welcoming our special guests to the show. Unannounced, here they are, directly from Discovery, by the way, Chancellor, Chancellor Laurel, Mary Chifo, and, and our very good friend, Jessica Lynn Verdi from Sci-Fi 5, another Ronberry podcast. And we're going to talk to them about improv, about Star Trek, about sci-fi, about all the nerd things. So, hello. Welcome. Hello. John, you're the only person on the planet that has ever said my last name correctly, even probably better than me. Wait, come on. It's so, is V-E-R-D-I, how difficult would it, what do people say? There's a lot of judgment around me Americanizing it, surprisingly. Like, isn't it, should it be Verdi or Verdi? Uh, and, oh, and, do you have to do the then, finger then, thing? You know, the, the yeah, Verdi, no, you know, the listen, Verdi, you know? I talk like this, so don't yeah. get me wrong. It's like Verdi, Verdi, anyway. <laughs> but, 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 like, almost people I work have worked with for years go, just go very, like, this, like, the mental gymnastics people go through anyway it was just so, <laughs> i felt i felt at home thank you yeah well so you're welcome I'm, I'm the only friend. the best for our guests only the yes best. Oh, oh my heart i feel so welcome but uh, yeah, let's not, let's talk about Laurel for a second. <laughs> no, and, and I hope I got I, I hope I got your last name right. It, it's Hiefo, right? Yeah. Is that, okay. Yeah, so yes. I'm, I'm realizing that Jess and I haven't fully bonded over people slightly mispronouncing our name last names, vaguely Italian last names, but it's like such a benchmark of my and Jessica and Mary, everyone knows those. Like it's always I I knew if the people were doing last names on roll call, they'll be like Mary, be like here it comes. That's see people look at my last name and they just go, come on, for real. Yeah. Is that your Hollywood really? name? I mean, come on, man. Really. Yeah. Like, no, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I was uh, going to say that I think I, I felt like I needed to do like how Laurel would say Jessica's name, which I ooh. feel like something like 
Jessica Lim Verdi. Oh, oh, that's good. Verdi. I think oh. she would, she would clean on it up. She'd make it a little bit more guttural um, and, and uh, glottal stoppy. Verdi. And nobody, you can't see it, but you added three apostrophes in her name where there yes. weren't any before. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. I actually saw it as she was saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like the dash, comma, right. the right. of bowel. You know? Right. That's going on a t shirt. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like well, it. It's, it's, it's canon now. It's canon. I, I love it. I love it. So, listen, we, we've got uh, podcast stuff to talk about. We've got improv stuff to talk about. But really quickly, before we get into that, uh, Mary, I would love it if you told us what you're doing on Star Trek Online because that yeah. just dropped the other day. Yeah. I know yeah. it's so, so thrilling to uh, have it out there. And I've been lucky enough to um, be able to see uh, some clips and everything coming out. And I mean, it, it was so lovely. Al uh, Rivera, who was uh, originally approached me about it from Star Trek Online like two years ago, because uh, they build these stories so early on. And when he said 2021, I was like, well, that's going to be forever, you know, and then suddenly we're here. And, uh, you know, we started chatting last year and he let me know the general story. And I just think it's such a compelling Klingon plot. I think they just went full Game of Thrones going to Grethlor. And uh, it's, you know, it's obviously very moving to have Laurel brought back in any capacity, but particularly in the hands of such um you know, well-versed and sensitive and compassionate artists who really wanted to do uh, do her justice. And uh, then, you know, just seeing it be animated and they really have studied my face and, like, there's certain shots um, that when I was watching it, I was like, wow, I would have probably made that choice. <laughs> nice. Like, there's one moment where she, like, opens her eyes and looks around and I was like, yeah, totally, absolutely. <laughs> that nice. was really um, and then just, of course, when I got to record, just, you know, coming back to her voice, luckily, because this franchise is so expansive, I'm always, you know, leaning into her voice at certain moments um, for conventions or whatnot, but to really say lines uh, that felt very, very her. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and then I'm finally united with my, uh, my son. <laughs> Vogue. I mean, uh, right. Vogue is my Vogue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. My son, Tanavik. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, which is very fun. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it's just been awesome. And to have such a warm reception and to kind of launch the year in that creative realm has been, been wonderful. Well, because yeah. there's a lot of story to tell. You know, that that's we when we left Laurel, the, there was so much more story to tell. And I love that Star Trek Online can carry that on. Mm-hmm. You know? That was funny. It's like a, a like a sitcom. When we last left Laurel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. she was hanging exactly. with Norman Cliff. by the way i I don't want to leave out our caller our deeply philosophical star trek fan and viewer and podcast host in his own right john arminio so uh uh john you know meet the chancellor john meet jessica it's uh (laughs) it's an honor thank you yeah with yet another italian last name (laughs) many mispronunciations there have been yeah yeah let's see how would laurel's arminio Arminio. I, I think we should get some glottals in Arminio. Arminio, yes. That's, yeah. Oh, see, that's wow, good. Yeah. You've got the Klingon voice. You got it. Oh, I see, now, now you're going to have Norman doing his uh, wharf <laughs> any any second now. I hear a oh, wharf yeah. coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. That would be Arminio. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, see, <laughs> there you go. That's good. That's I good. Agree. This is great. 
<laughs> really talented actress. She just keeps saying my name. Yes. <laughs> Calling every week. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, so I, I do. No, I oh, go ahead. Go yeah. Well, I wanted to ask Mary a question. There was a, there was a video out there of, of having you kind of deconstructed from your makeup all the way back to, you know, um, uh, just to, to marry again. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that having appliances on you help, you know, help inspire your performance. So when you're doing lines for Star Trek Online and you're not in makeup, does it, do you have to get into a different frame of reference so you can bring Laurel back out without the appliances? Absolutely. Uh, weirdly, because I had to go back in for much of the first season in particular and do uh, redub a lot of my lines because there was some prosthetic stuff that they discovered. Sound a bit. And so I had actually really kind of trained for this because I went in and I, I would say 95% of my lines, I had to go back in and kind of get in her space without being in the makeup um, and I really loved that. Like, I mean, I'm sure it was also, I wish there had been a camera because I'm, you know, I'm all physical and getting into these really intense moments in the booth all alone. Um, but I think the sound people were very entertained. Um, so I had, <laughs> I'd had that, um, experience. And then also I was very lucky with my scene partners, Shazad, Ken Mitchell, um, Doug Jones, they were all very willing and Jane Brooke can't forget Jane Brooke. We love Jane Brooke. Uh, They would, we would meet, um, you know, a few days prior once we got the script and go over, um, go over our scenes. And particularly when we were very Klingon heavy, we had to do that because we had to figure out what the scene was in English before we went back and did it in Klingon. And uh, so I actually had a lot of time to feel like I'm inhabiting her without the prosthetic. Um, And, I, I just think it's great because her essence to me, her core is so innate in me at this point that um, I felt I learned a lot about her when I had the prosthetics on, about how I had to push through. And um, that was part of me- her metaphorical struggle too, is being confined, either even when she was a commander, how she felt less than, and then as a chancellor, how she had to hold back in order to inhabit her her power uh, for all those other Klingons to give her respect. So I'm very grateful I had the experience with the prosthetic, but now that I've done all that work, (laughs) happy to jump in and do the voice on its own. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Hey, uh, I, I do want to, because uh, we do have the, the, the other stuff we want to talk about, the crash, crassly commercial part of the program that we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but I, I think John brought up a really interesting uh, point here when you had joined us. And we were talking about kind of the, uh, the, the expectations of shows and, and I, you know, I wonder, you're both nerds, and I say that with love. Uh, uh, you, you, you both know your fandoms, you know. Um, do you feel like, I, I, I'm trying to find a delicate way to put this. I feel like there are fans who think they know what they want out of a franchise, who think they know what they want out of an entertainment property. But somewhere deep down, that might be a really poor choice that then puts producers, writers, creatives into a box that they can't get out of. Um, and I, I think we saw that with uh, Star Wars in particular. And John, you know, you made a great point about that, about just trying to fill gaps and and create problems for them to solve with quote unquote canon. Um, I, do you both feel that there's some truth to that? <laughs> actually reference um, a common friend of Mary's and mine named Jesse Gender who talks about this so much. She's a huge 
Trekkie that literally will quote people who go, this isn't my Trek and this isn't the Trek that I wanted. And then she'll find the example of the exact show from a TOS episode <laughs> that did the right. same exact thing. So I don't know where, right. where our PG lands. It, but I'll, I'll <laughs> oh, it just went out the window apparently. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll keep it there. But, but I guess I, ha- I ha- both Mary and I have strong feelings because we also saw the final Star Wars together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think... I don't fall in the camp of don't remake things, don't make new things. You know, every generation deserves to have their own version of a Star Wars. It's really cool that we have a lead female in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool that Star Trek isn't just trying to do the same exact thing like you guys said with Kirk over and over and over again. Um, that being said, I'll watch Kirk forever. That's just me. Like, I'm a, I'm a Kirk person. Mm-hmm. But we, we don't need his story anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem ends up happening... Like, why was Marvel so successful is that they pretty much had a really well-realized trajectory. Star Wars didn't have that. And, like, J.J. Abrams let the fanboys win, and you didn't see Kelly Tran in the last ep- in the last episode. Like, they just went, oh, we don't want that problem? It, 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 you're, there's, a, there's a difference between pandering and trying to make something your own. And that's I think that's where you find the problem, usually. Yeah, I... Yes, ending that. <laughs> um, but absolutely, I mean, yeah, and we did. I was, yeah, broken <laughs> into my whole emotional catharsis, and that it, with with some certain Star Wars things. But I, I, I completely agree with the. There's a metaphor of like the King Solomon myth with the baby that, like, uh. so often we don't have one of the mothers own up and say, no, no, okay, fine. Let the other one take it. You have, you know, so many different people who grow up with um, the nostalgia for a franchise and are trying to recreate the nostalgia as opposed to like doing that next level of investigation as to like, what did make that tick? What, what was innovative and how can we not just try and replicate, but how can we expand and uh, this is also very much in line with what Jess and I are, are going to talk about with all the Ripley things. But I really believe that the more that we have inclusive, um, not just casting, but inclusive people behind the scenes, the more diverse our rooms are in every capacity. It's not just gender, race, sexual orientation. It, it's Then you get all of these people who have watched these, these shows as they were and have new ideas. And how exciting is that? Like, I want to see a fresh perspective because it's going to challenge what I think the show can be. And I I just really feel that not championing that for the sake of, of, of show, but to just allow that space, because I just think we're going to get newer, newer and more excited, exciting stories that, um, you know, and I, and just to the fan, fan, toxic fandom, I think, <laughs> A lot, a lot of fans fall into the trap of comparing the nostalgia to the reality. Like everyone's comparing their first experience of Star Wars or Star Trek to what they're actually seeing in real time, which you go back and watch anything, even sure. the stuff that still holds up. It's still, you have to, like you're saying, that's exactly what Jessie does is she goes, okay, 
But just just remember that this is what this episode was like in the 90s or whenever it was. So There was a ghost hand that picked the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's canon. How are you? Yeah. It's oh. canon. <laughs> and that, and that's, I mean, I love that kind of stuff, though, too. I, the, one of the yeah. best tweets, again, to talk about Star Wars, which we're not here to talk, talk about Star Wars. <laughs> but someone's like um, uh, a young Jedi finds their power after a long time, comes out of nowhere with extreme power and and and, and saves. And then they go, this is episode seven. Like that, that there's the surprise that you don't, it's the first plot of the movie. The first movie is the plot of the most recent first movie. Uh-huh. So it's it, it just you just got to challenge. I think you're totally right, Mary. Though we just are. It's like it's like a hit of drugs. You want the same nostalgia. Nostalgia is a hell like, of a drug. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It's, not, it's really hard to go in without that expectation. I can't watch a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot without wishing it wasn't the '80s. So yeah. that's that's just John uh, John Armini. Are you are you just soaking in the validation yeah. right now? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I. <laughs> Peoples whose opinions I've I've I have respected have said things about like like I'm tired of like forced diversity in, in Star Trek and I'm like <laughs> the whole point yeah. of the yeah. show in 1966 yeah. was to force diversity into American living rooms or sure. how about Star Trek isn't political yeah yeah, yeah. Like, oh, heard that too yeah. Like, oh yeah. In the Omega Glory, Kirk turns to the camera and reads the Constitution. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, we the people, right? Yeah. You know, oh, that's, ooh, good. The Declaration of the Well, in Something Forgotten, there was the episode where they leave a planet that's like, we believe in the sun, which is like a really like clear analogy for Jesus. And they're like, uh, it'll be fine. Like it's perfect. Go, go, go back and listen to the mission log episode about that one. Yeah. Oh, that's, like, people uh, forget it. And when people like go, this is never, the religion was never a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I, I think there is a balance to be struck though. I mean, like, I'm a huge Certainly. fan of say Cobra Kai. I love Cobra Kai. Right, I think right, it's right. probably the most brilliant balance of nostalgia plus telling these stories. And it has to just, it has to come from, obviously, the uh, a place of, of respect and passion. Mm-hmm. But it also can't be afraid to, to take these characters that people have put on a pedestal or even the creators have put on a pedestal and break those molds. Mm-hmm. Characters have to change. They have mm-hmm. to grow. They mm-hmm. have to stretch. Johnny, you know, for all intents and purposes, we had an X amount of understanding of his character in the, the realm of one, maybe two movies. But now we see a completely different character. We're taking down a path of incredible storytelling mm-hmm. with nostalgia to help support the evolution of that character. Mm-hmm. It's not that it can't be done, and it's not that it shouldn't be done. In my opinion, it's just that how are you going to do it? Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to abuse the nostalgia for the sake of driving in viewers? Because we're, we're all realists here, and I think that sometimes people will go to, say, like a Spock casting because they're like, you know what? Those are just... Those are guaranteed ratings. People will come right. in and watch right. because of right. that. Reunification, one and two. I mean, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great two-parter, but really, advertising Leonard Nimoy coming in at the last 10 seconds of episode one isn't really, uh, isn't really uh, genuine. Yes. Yeah. You know, or being honest. It's a little bait and switch. But it did drive in ratings. So mm-hmm. we're at that standpoint where people can actually lift the veil and say, why are they doing this? Mm. And for what reason? And does it make sense? 
or does this break breach the trust that we've given these creators? Mm-hmm. No, no. It, Norman and a friend of mine is uh, one of the producers on Cobra Kai, and and very much that was important to them to not just go, hey, here's another success story for this kid. What mm-hmm. is an actual trajectory? of those characters 20 years later. And that is why we want to watch it because we can relate to them. It's a really mm-hmm. good point. Speaking yeah. of uh, the, the ugly intersection of capitalism and art, um, John, uh, John, I'm going to say goodnight to you. And then we're going to wrap up tonight uh, by talking to Mary and Jessica about their project. And, uh, and we'll, we'll welcome you back next week and uh, topic TBA. All right. Thank you. It's a privilege to be on. Th- th- thank you all. Yeah, Ciao, John. Ciao, John. I have that same reaction when people say that about, but the, your, your hand palm, I, yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're awesome. <laughs> you Take too. Care. Thank you. Have a great night, Matt. You too. All right. So uh, you are both here tonight to talk to us about what you're working on. And uh, Jessica and I can share a bit about what we're working on. There's just so much, so much creativity contained in this Zoom call. It's really, (laughs) yeah, we'll probably get fined by the FCC for it. (laughs) So um, you are both here to talk about Ripley Improv. And uh, that's actually how I know Jessica is through the uh, Impro studio. And I believe, Mary, that's the first time we met. Uh, or I don't know, maybe at a discovery thing. I'm not totally <laughs> sure. But regardless, you have teamed up and you are producing, uh, help me to get this right, the first improvised medical drama heartbeats not to be confused with the andy kaufman bernadette peters vehicle heart beeps from 1984 don't confuse it with that this is heartbeats i was thinking of the don johnson you know uh one hit wonder heart looking for a heartbeat yeah yeah of course there's also a 2016 abc series (laughs) or nbc series called heartbeat oh about a cardiologist and you know what? I doubled down. I just said okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're different. This is the this is the show's name. So yeah, yeah. you nailed it. You nailed it. Oh, oh awesome. okay. STM heartbeats with an STM. Well, yeah, I, I learned recently you can't um, copyright titles. Is that true? Common word. That is true. Yeah, yeah. it's titles. a common okay. word. Yeah, Thank common you. word. Yeah. So, but, but tell us what happened here. So Jessica, you are producing, you are directing, you are starring. Uh, and I know. Yeah. Too no, much. I'm so, I just tweeted John, that I'm such a badass. That it's like, <laughs> like Hollywood's not going to know what to do when they're like, wait, you've been doing what during the pandemic. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm to all to that point. I couldn't do what I'm doing right now without Mary, and uh, so we met Mary because of Star Trek. And John, we met because of Star Trek. I yeah. was in I was in the first three seasons of uh, the Improvised Generation, which is still going strong, and it's a wonderful, fun, like amazing show, which was full of serendipity. I basically went to Paul Hungerford. I was like, I have this great idea for an improvised original series. He goes. We're auditioning for the next generation next week, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, sold." Yeah, it, it just was one of those things. That it was like yeah. I was also like two years too young in improv to audition for uh, it, and it worked out perfectly. Uh-huh. Um, and then along call, comes uh, like Mary, who was just ready for awesome women, and found it in in Ripley, and we were ready for her. You know, there's like a certain point in your life, and maybe you've experienced this, where you're like, "I have enough friends." 
I, I can't add somebody else to the roster because there's just a little too much. And then Mary comes along. It's like, oh, well, but she's always been there. So uh-huh. the, let's fast forward. She She's guested with Ripley. She's guested with Improvised Generation. She's just, you know, part of the fold. And then I bring this idea to her. Like, you know, I think we all at the top of the pandemic, like had a fatigue of like, there was a lot of posts going, it's okay if you don't do anything today. Yeah. And and that is true today because it's really weird world we're living in. And, and being kind to yourself right. and your energy level is very important. But all of a sudden I woke up and went, this idea that I had three years ago, it's ready. This is the time. And not only Ripley is, is makes that vehicle drive like made that happen like I had the women to work with I had the the name and you know the support Mary took the idea as though it was her idea also I mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. feel as though she was there three years ago when the idea came <laughs> which is crazy that is not a common um experience in Hollywood as I'm sure you all <laughs> can imagine <laughs> So that's my that's yes. my tee up for my co-producer Mary Chifa. Oh, <laughs> right on. So then Mary, so you come along and you're like, yeah, I'd like to produce some uh, original improvised medical drama. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, everything Jessica gave a great, very succinct uh, uh, summary of our origin story, and uh, it, it's really true that I also, when I learned that their name was Ripley, that they everything about this group was what I had been seeking for the theater and then improv is something that I was very intimidated by and didn't feel like I had a place in at all never thought that that was where I would end end up being um so uh, passionate and uh but after guesting with them I have started taking classes particularly in long-form genre which has been amazing and um yeah then Jess and I I remember that that it was around that time that you had woken up and we were just having a hang catch up on Zoom. <laughs> I woke up at seven p.m. to be there. <laughs> 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 we rolled out of bed, nice. and uh, and I said, "Yeah, you know, if there's anything that you're really wanting to do right now, like let me know." And it was kind of just very open. And then once once it was presented, and I started coming into rehearsals and watching this group, um, not only the core Ripley group, but some um, some awesome um, men <laughs> mm-hmm. and a few um, uh, new women as well. And they were all just so great and building such an awesome uh, cast and story um, as <laughs> not, uh, you know, in the improv sense of story, just a world. And uh, yeah, I just, then the ball started rolling. We were talking about, we've been doing our watch along of the previous episodes leading up to our opening, uh, reopening on Friday. And I was remembering how we had this um, uh, kind of teaser episode zero. And uh, I was kind of in the back muted camera off as they were improvising and filming these, these scenes. And there was a certain point in that where I was like, you know what? I think if you just step a little forward, and that, that'll just make the shot a little bit cool. Like, I just saw myself creatively wanting to be more hands-on and help champion it. Um, and, you know, I think once that tango was clear and Jess and I were like, oh, we really want to, we really want to tango with this. Um, and we opened in, I, at some point in September, like just le- those, 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 that basically that month leading into that. Uh, opening, we just really found our groove, and it is a gift to find a producing partner and a collaborator 
who is the right Venn diagram of um, of cans and uh, not cans, but just we know how to to say, hey, can you can you take this on? Can I can I push this direction? Do you want me to look over that email? All those sorts of things. And um, I agree with Jess that it feels like she's been in my life forever. Um, but to have this exercise in working on a creative level has been really thrilling because you can be close with someone and not be a good creative collaborator. <laughs> so, sure, sure. Yes. So very, very grateful that that's the case. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, last fall was so exciting. We just figured it out. We've been we've been using these green screens and uh, figuring out how best to angle ourselves so it looks like you're in the same shot with different backgrounds and um, essentially a great TV show that happened to just be Zoomed, improvised. It's just just somehow really great. Yeah, and the characters are so wonderful. You know, we as we continue to draft ways of describing the show, it was really striking me how I'm like, I love these characters. I'm rooting for them. There's a they're they're flawed, but they're earnest, and we do uh, we we just get to to follow them on really fun you know, out there journeys that do, you know, it's what we love about Grey's Anatomy. It's it's that y- y- there's plot twists and love triangles and or rectangles and, you know, all sorts of just delicious ways uh, to, to play. And our cast just like goes for it every week. And um, yeah, just earlier today, rewatching the first two episodes, I, I I was crying. I was laughing so hard at one point. Like, it just got me. I thought like, she was not- joking. Like, okay, it's not that fun. It's, like, it's one of those things where I just get so delighted. And I, for the most part, I... I um, I've guested now twice as as I'm the sister, deceased uh, sister, of uh, one of our main characters. But uh, I'm mainly behind the scenes uh, every week. I host, and then I'm there. Kind of, we have a our our way of making sure that we're moving to the next scene and transitions. We have an incredible behind the scenes tech um, team uh, with OBS and everything, and just kind of making sure everything is running smoothly. But I'm always thrilled in those moments where I just get to watch the scene and be delighted. Right. Um, and I just am consistently. I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're working out everything and every kink and figuring out, oh, okay, that's, that. let's, let's, you know, shift that around or whatever. But I am just always walking away feeling so uh, creatively stimulated by it all. And, and four words for oh, you both. Ahead. I have four yeah. words for you both when it comes to the medical field. You probably already experienced this or probably researched this, but full moon Saturday night. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I worked we're not, one of those. We're not an emergency room, which is very helpful. So okay, lucky you. To, yeah. Any, deal with that. Like any full moon Saturday nights in the medical <laughs> field are nuts. Not good. Not good. And I kind of, I get it. Like, right? Like, it, like nurses and emergency doctors will tell you that if there's any proof that the moon has effect over the human body, it is the emergency room on those evenings. So yeah. <laughs> Saturday night. That's funny. Uh, so now the most important thing, where can people find the show? And and like how many episodes are out and what's the plan? Like how many more are you making? Like give us the whole uh, breakdown. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll drop a link in the chat to the first eight episodes um, then they Sweet. can find us. So we decided to stream it on Twitch. Um, I, I have enough of a runway on Twitch doing RPGs. Uh, Aliza Pearl, as some people may know, 
did um, Shield of Tomorrow on Geek and Sundries, and she's one of our main uh, actors in it. And, and, you know, obviously the Rippling Women and some of the TIG people. We just thought it was the best place to go before, you know, CBS buys it. And uh, so that's, so you're going you're gonna to watch for the next uh, eight Fridays at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Completely improvised live TV shows that are funny and poignant, and you can have suggestions in the chat during the entire show. It's so exciting! So I'll, I'll drop I'll drop our Twitch link, and if people just follow us at Twitch, if they have a Twitch account, then they'll know when we go live. See, I love that shows like this have adapted to what we have to do now. You know, some of us are used to being in a room by ourselves behind a mic, but <laughs> for those of you who have been doing theater and and really relying on the live element, relying on an audience, you've been able to adapt to do something wholly creative and new and deliver it to a new audience. Um, by the way, there was somebody in the chat, uh, Anne-Marie says, Mary's such an amazing director. I loved her work with the play Closed Circuits. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I know Anne-Marie. Hi. Um, nice. Yeah, um, right before uh, pandemic fully hit in February, I was in New York last year. So a year ago. Wow. Awesome. By, um, by the way, uh, Alan, who uh, is the provider of all of our Riker memes, every chat suggestion, lupus. Thanks, Alan. I hope you were there every single show for Heartbeats and you just slide right in with lupus. That's- Alan can find a way to make... Oh, sorry, Mary, go ahead. No, I just, I get that house reference as a... <laughs> oh, you know, I'm a bad director because I don't know much house, but yeah. you can tell that it's... You, yeah, you've got the you've got the grace. I'm so grateful. I hadn't I had seen episodes of Grey's, you know, but I had never followed it um until until doing the show and it's just such a great great show and also a great genre example of 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 just how you can take characters and build and build and build and innovate and just keep reinventing um a great core story and have a great female protagonist which i would i would i just want to give my shout out to to jess as not like as you said producer director and star uh, who created her own her own annabelle love is her character's name and is so fun to follow and you know you get the wonderful there are flavors of meredith gray but she's totally her own person um which i think is like just so so wonderful Honestly, um, I just wanted hot people to lust after me. So that's what <laughs> like the whole goal was. Like, how do I live out my Grey's fantasy that way? That's I mean, why I went into uh, podcasting. I mean, you know, that's it was a natural. I'm coming on. Said, title number yeah. one. The you thirst have a face is real, for podcasting right? for sure. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Wow. Well, actually, I think that's a really great segue to probably one of the better opportunities I've been given in a while and also the pandemic that you've given me, John, in our little project that we're working wow, on. Wow, that was a master of work. That was oh, very, good. very good. Very good improvising. Yes, yeah. <laughs> So uh, people on this show have heard me mention a couple of times Sci-Fi 5, and that is the new podcast from Roddenberry Podcasts. Uh, five minutes, five days a week is a little deep dive into sci-fi history. Just a, a short little thing to start your day or end your day. I mean, we're not commuting right now, are we? So uh, check it out. It's a, a topics from all over the place. Of course, we're Roddenberry, so we lean towards Star Trek when we can. 
Jessica, I'm curious. I mean, I know that you have deep nerd cred. I hate to put you on the spot, but was there anything in the shows that you've done so far that was like a surprise, a revelation, just a weird bit of trivia? And you're like, whoa, I'm I'm reading this, but I had no idea that that was uh, that that was the case. I'm going to answer this differently than you're asking the question. I've taken a lot of the pieces of information that I've yes. been reading and is sharing them anecdotally in, in ways <laughs> oh. that like I I'm now oh, the expert like on Deep Star Six, you know what I mean? Or Oh, oh I like that a lot. So but yeah. what I did realize a lot about most of the scripts that mm-hmm. I've been reading um and, and doing for the show that oh, the people who are writing this obviously have like were either at the Star Trek convention or really liked Deep Star Six or you know what I mean like there was there's a there's an essence of I remember that in these scripts that are pretty co- like uh, what's the word I'm looking for like, important to the core of that show I think right. Now, I, I think that's absolutely true. Like, it always is a surprise when we get to one that we really know nothing about. But we are very methodical about, you know, looking at the list of potential topics and saying, ooh, you know, I have a, a, a deep emotional connection to this particular thing. So I need to get it out there. I need to tell the world about this thing in five minutes. And you so. gave me a list, like, hey, see if you want to write for this, Jessica. And I didn't mm-hmm. take any of the prompts. I went, fine. Oh, totally fine. Well, yeah. and, and you had said that as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It comes across differently when you're writing something that you love. And I, I hope you can tell that as when I'm reading these, you know, when I'm sharing the information and reading the scripts, I'm excited about these things I'm learning about. I didn't know that Gene Roddenberry had been to the 1970s convention and that was the burst of the scene. And like, you know, right. I, I love um, not the Atlantic. I always call it Atlant- the abyss. And I, I didn't know that that was, I love the phenomenon that movies are the same, that they come out during the same year, like a bug oh, yeah. life and ants movie mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. It happens yes. all the time. So it's it's very cool to feel like I'm the person that's sharing this story because I was there. And I can tell that, and you're a pro, but I can tell that in the delivery that there is some excitement there. And by the way, John Cooley chiming in about Don Moore Star Trek shirts. John, if you get me a date, maybe like a, a receipt, an order, something, I want to do the Sci-Fi 5 episode about the Don Moore Star Trek shirt. So I'm holding you to that. Yes. These were, if you were a kid in the early 70s, the short sleeve, like off-the-rack version of the Star Trek uniform shirts. Oh, my yeah. God. So they had the blue they had the red and they had like bright green, like Kelly green. green and it's stunning. So Anovos did an adult size reproduction a few years ago, but they're awesome. I now they're have something so that I need to get that I didn't know I needed. They're fantastic. Awesome. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, and, and John is the keeper of the flame for the original Don Moore shirts. So, yeah, uh, anybody who hasn't followed Sci-Fi 5 yet, of course, go to podcast.roddenberry.com. All the shows are there. You've got your long-form shows like Women at Warp, which uh, both of you are definitely familiar with. We love Women at Warp. You've got your mission log. You've got Priority One. You've got Daily Star Trek News, about 10 10 minutes, uh, everything that fits in Star Trek news for 10 minutes a day. And then we were all like, well, what if we did that in half the time? We'll do, we'll do sci-fi five and we were hold ourselves to five minutes. What I'm waiting for, what I'm waiting for is the day that a topic is maybe like two and a half minutes and we just have to go like, so 
<laughs> so we can like do like name that yeah. name. I can name that yeah. in three right. words. Right. Exactly. Right. We'll just we'll do Space, something else. Uh, Star Trek. Got it. Yeah. Star Trek. This is an improv yeah. exercise where it's basically like, okay, improvise the scene. Now it's called Half Life. You should call this like, the next one Half Life. <laughs> Half Life. I love it. Right? And then you said improvise it shorter, 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 shorter. So listen, challenge accepted. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. So on the next Mission Log Live, we're just going to have, you know, non sequiturs of all different types of shows. Listen, if you ever need yeah. non sequiturs, I'm the queen, but <laughs> so engaging when I do it. I call, I, to the point where I call them tributaries because we all land at the ocean. Somehow. Yeah. If, we don't, if we don't dry off. But yeah. usually pretty good at it. Pretty all good. Right. I, I have to say that the, the Jess and I talk about that we're still finishing conversations that we started on our first friend date. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not mad about it. We knew at the time the way it was going. We were like, oh, this is one of the, like I said, for I was like, oh, yeah, I know how this goes. This is great. It's the best. Be, yeah. yeah. You're all having that data moment. Like, I get it. But that that was that joke was told seven years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. oh, my. <laughs> but now her and I have gotten to the point of producer. And I know we're wrapping it up, but I'll leave I'll leave us with this. Uh, her and I have gotten to the point of producing where we were shooting one of our promos for the upcoming opening night and uh, we were basically like oh and and our actor was like you guys didn't say any complete words know what you said to each other (laughs) we wouldn't have known that that was happening and and you're so right John all of that on Zoom which is kind of weird it's not ideal the business is really hard to be in right now we're all sure. trying to find our feet. Uh, this idea, I, if full-blown heartbeats would have been on a Broadway stage with seven sets, completely improvised mm. with, you know, fly-in cameras and an audience, and it works better on Zoom right now. It, so it's, mm. it is learning, like Mary and I talk about pivoting a lot and mm-hmm. pi- being open to the pivot. Improv opened us up to, it's not the, exactly what we thought, but it's exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. You know, uh, that's such a good point. I I read that some of the best advice for an actor is create a body of work. Just get out there constantly working. And here, COVID threw us all for a loop. Uh, Like you said, the the whole landscape has changed completely. But you're doing exactly that, which is creating work that people can go watch, that we can be uh, uh, productive with, we, we can be entertaining with. Like that is, that's what to do. That, that's what you have to do. And it's not easy though. So I don't want to yeah. say like, look at how great this was or look at how hard it was for us and we accomplished. I think so many people are in their different varying levels of depression and disillusionment and sad that this didn't happen or, oh my God, this was going so well. But what is nice is, not only did we find a way to create for ourselves, we also have a cast of 12 people that are excited to be at rehearsals, aren't getting Zoom fatigue, and we are giving to an audience that's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. For, and for as long as we have the energy for I might hit a brick tomorrow, a brick wall tomorrow. It's possible. <laughs> I, 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 go, I might go to sleep and then come back. Who, this, is, this is pretty much my day to day. But I am grateful that the idea was exciting and, and Mary ran with it enough to that to the that to the point that it's here now great awesome well, I'm well, a oh go ahead mary oh there's a cat first we gotta uh, that. <laughs> acknowledge the cat, the cat. yes um but <laughs> on a more still on a, a slightly more um mushy level as many uh, esteemed intellectuals have said um it really has been such a joy because just to celebrate Jess's passion for this. Like she had had this idea. She woke up and had her revelation at 7 p.m., whatever it was. But 
that's the driving force. And for me, of course, I am passionate about it on, on my own, but it's that it's that drive and as a director and how she shapes it and how she she celebrates all of our artists. Like I just it's um it's I don't want to say it's rare because I don't want to put that in the universe, but it's certainly not something you come across every day. And I'm just really grateful, but that's the environment we're creating. And like, it is a time of so much uncertainty that we can be certain that there's, there's a room, a zoom room that we can come to um, where we're creating a space for people to truly express joy and, and be delighted by each other. It's, it's a very special thing. So just wanted to celebrate that. Well, I, I mean, there it is, you know, uh, viewers and listeners who are catching this show later, you know, you just met two, uh, fabulously creative and talented women who are, uh, creating and producing and, and starring and directing, uh, heartbeats, which you can find at ripleyimprov.com and, uh, go through the Twitch channel there. And then, of course, you know, catch all the episodes, but, uh, do check it out, ripleyimprov.com, support this kind of creativity and and original content, uh, which is so fantastic. And I'm, I'm just pleased beyond measure that you are both here to talk about it. Um, and of course, while you're at it, you know, go subscribe to Sci-Fi 5 because hey, it's five minutes. And what else are you doing for that five minutes in a day, right? Five minutes. And you have awesome contributors too, like Alexandra August, who I just love, who did the Game of Thrones podcast, which yes. I'm watching. The, I just... All of a sudden, I saw her on the email. I was like, you too? <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. but, I, but I also, I'm, I'm really glad you thought of me, John. And, and I'm glad mm-hmm. we're like found a way to still be in each other's lives. So thank you for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, take care, both of you. Uh, Norman, thank you again. And uh, we will, uh, you know, maybe we'll show up and do a show next week as well, right? <laughs> uh, I think the odds are pretty good. I just I, yeah. I wanted to say, um, Mario, it was nice to see you again. We were able mm-hmm. to do a show before. Uh, Jessica, it was very nice to meet you. And I want to thank you both for doing this and, and persevering throughout this uh, COVID pandemic, because if there's something that's worth doing, it's worth doing with passion. But the thing is, is that it's also reaching out to somebody and you never know when that one episode or one piece of your work will be able to change somebody's life mm-hmm. in, in this space that we're in right now. And there's nothing more powerful, nothing more healing than laughter. Mm. Well, thank you. And in the, you, you can definitely hold a mirror up to what you're doing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the Institute Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry podcasts, including Sci-Fi 5, among others. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later and stayed late. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.